Agree. Recording in progress. Got it. There we are. Oh, hello there. There you are. Um, come on in. Come in. Welcome to Club Eclectica, a, a new podcast that I will be doing now and then, uh, covering subjects that I'm interested in. It could be anything from aardvarks to asterisks, tintin to tanks. So it's basically a podcast about this and that and everything in between. And every episode I'll have on a guest who maybe know know some things about this this uh, subject. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll just be chatting casually about these things. We're not experts, so we might get details wrong. But uh, there you go. But actually, the main point of this podcast is I just like the sound of my own voice. Yeah. But uh, without further ado, let me introduce my first guest, uh, Melanie Gallic not Melanie Gallic, sorry, uh, Melanie Treyers, uh, who is currently living in Switzerland, uh, originally from Hamburg, Germany. Good morning, Melanie. But um, before we, why did I sort of have that slip of the tongue and call you Melanie Gallagher? Hmm. Well, maybe that might be because I introduced myself to you as Melanie Gallagher when we met in 95. And that's because I was then still with my imaginary husband, Liam Gallagher. So what, you you were never actually married to him? I was never actually married, but I thought it was definitely going to happen. At some point, I was going to meet him, and I decided to call myself Melanie You just preempted it by changing your name. Totally, just making things easier then. I actually had it on my post box as well. Slightly embarrassing fact there, but... (laughs) And uh, I do remember that you introduced yourself to me, not as Michael Hallinger. What did you introduce yourself Oh, it's, it's a long time ago. I, I don't really remember. <laughs> it may have been. Um, it may have been uh, Michael Frischman. Yes, that was it. And mm. why was that, Michael? Oh, uh, it, just because um, Justine Frischman uh, at the time was the lead singer of a great band called Elastica, and I had a massive crush on her. Um, mm. So, well, I just thought, you know, if you could be Mrs. Gallagher, I could be Mr. Frischman. But um, as by the by, she's still not returning my calls. Uh, <laughs> the, um, I, there is an injunction against me, but I think that's just all a misunderstanding. Um, I yeah, believe she's moved to America. Yes, uh, I don't think that's anything to do with me. Um, Probably not. But no. There you go. Anyway, moving swiftly on, uh, you <laughs> met, we met in 1995, which is oh, well, I'm not great at arithmetic, but it's all oh, about oh, 18 years ago, I guess. Oh, uh, yeah, yes. it's quite a long time. And where, where, and, and where, and how was that? Ninety-five. I think it was the last day of the festival, and we met at the which which Ros- festival? This was um, Roskilde festival. For people that don't know, obviously Roskilde. Yes, yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. I can't pronounce it as well as Roskilde. you do because obviously you Roskilde. are Danish and I, I'm German. Yeah. Roskilde festival is what yeah, I you, call you don't, it. You don't hear the you don't hear the D. So it's okay, well let's try again. Roskilde. Is that? Yeah, that sounds more Norwegian, but yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll just go with that. Okay. Go with that. Well, that's where we met, actually. The last day uh, was the Paul Weller concert, and uh, I spotted you. You were wearing a white Target t shirt, yeah, uh, yeah. denim jacket, you had a very cool haircut, uh, yeah. and a very cool pair of shades. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. And you were you were wearing an Echo Belly t shirt, I think. And those, those were the days when. If you met someone, I mean, Britpop wasn't a, a big thing in, in Denmark at the time. So if you saw someone who had a T-shirt or something and you could tell they're into that kind of thing, you'd sort of instantly go, and you know, have a chat with them because most people just, yeah, 
Also, right. my haircut, I Your just remembered that the other day, my haircut was modelled after Justine, so... Well, that's, that's probably what it was. Yeah. <laughs> if I had a t-shirt on, you know, uh, I probably would have dropped to my knees and proposed to you at the last <laughs> spot. But, um, yeah, so, we, so we met there, and I remember carrying around at that festival. So I had, it was my second Roskilde festival. Uh, so to those who don't know, Roskilde is like the Danish version of Glastonbury. It's a massive festival. It goes on for several days. People camp there, and it's been going a bit like Glastonbury since, I think, the very early 70s. Mm. But uh, Roskilde, it was my second Roskilde, I went there in 94, and I absolutely hated the whole camping experience. It just was not for me. You know, you're supposed to go there like at least two days before the concert starts to get a good pitch, and it's just noisy and dusty, and oh, the toilet facilities, absolutely awful. So the second year I went, um, again, started off in this tent with my friends, and after the first night, I couldn't sleep. I just thought, I don't want to do this for another you know, <laughs> five days. So I said to my, my friends, look, guys, I can't, you know, I'm going home. And they were like, what? But you the tickets weren't, weren't cheap so I went home and I remember saying to my girlfriend right I'm home you know I, I can't be bothered with this and she said well why don't you just commute in every day because actually Oscula isn't that far from Copenhagen where I was living at the time I, mean, I don't know an hour by train so that's what I did I'd be freshly showered and clean and rock up at Oscula uh, to see the concerts I wanted to see and um yeah, and, you yeah. Did. and I remember walking around I had a Tesco's carrier bag <laughs> supermarket because I'd recently been to England I guess and obviously, I just thought I was super cool because I could obviously see I've been to England. I've been shopping in a supermarket in England. Look at my cool Tesco's bag. Again, those back in the days where people didn't travel quite as much. There was no none of these low cost airlines. There was no EasyJet, Ryanair. So going to England was quite a big deal in those days. You know, and you'd come back with records or tapes and go, yeah, yeah. But, you know, Posters. Cool. Yeah. Magazines. Yeah, and these things were treasure. Magazines. They were treasure back yeah. then because it wasn't that easy to get them. I remember cycling to the main train station in Hamburg once a month to get, God, was it Q? And to get the Melody Maker and uh, NME and all those. And we'd, I'd save all my money to get all these yeah. magazines because they were so expensive in Germany. Yeah, yeah. Um, It was a big thing. One, yeah. The Face, Select. Yes, Select. <laughs> very, similar, very similar for me. I'd go into the yeah, central station in Copenhagen where they had a small news stand where they had international stuff. Yeah. Originally, when I was younger, it was Smash Hits. Uh, and that, yes, yeah, Smash Hits and later Select, The Face, uh, all these, the Enemy, Melody Maker. And that, of course, was the only way we got to learn about new yes. bands, or that or MTV. But there wasn't that MTV much. MTV Europe was a big thing. How did it all start uh, for you, Michael? How did it start for me? Well, I was, I was into music, well, from, I guess, my early teens, and then got into the Smiths in, um, well, 1987, which was, turned out just as they split up. And Side note, uh, we just heard the sound news the other day that uh, Andy Rourke, the bass player, has passed away. An incredible, incredible bass player. Much underrated, that rhythm section, him and Mike Johnson on drums and, and uh, Andy Rourke on bass. But, uh, yeah, so I, so I was into sort of the stuff and the House Martins and, and going through into the late 80s, into the 90s. It was uh, the Stone Roses, that whole baggy scene, Manchester, Happy Mondays, um, and that is around the time I think I first came across Blur, because I think in 1991 they uh, released their first album, Leisure, which actually I've got I've got it here. But if we do I put this on YouTube, you'll be able to see. Uh, yeah. Brilliant, very it's strong. It's somewhere cover. behind me too. I'm not sure where. I think it's behind the Quadrophenia one there. <laughs> and, and that album was was sort of very along that sort of those beats from of that sort of Manchester sort of uh, baggy era. 
uh, sort of quite dancey beats and and um, and at the same time that that sort of that scene sort of petered out I guess in yeah the very early 90s and then this thing called grunge came in from America which of course we all know Nirvana and Pearl Jam and well as the name implies was grungy it was all long hair and sort of, uh, you know I don't know sort of clad shirts well it was cool I liked some of the music but it was a bit too noisy for me I think I like right. melodic upbeat music mm-hmm. and then Blur so then Suede and Blur sort of were Suede started when was their first album 83 something oh, sorry 93 what? something I thought it was 92 I'm not too sure oh, it could be 92 but it's sort of early 90s and I guess you could argue they were proto uh Britpop and then um Blur came out with their second album Modern Life is Rubbish which is completely different again I'm holding it up here which is the this is a beautiful painting of the Mallard, which is a very famous British steam train and on the back, this absolutely amazing picture, which oh, is incredibly influential. There they are, the four band members on, ah. on the tube, wearing Doc Martin's boots, you know, turned up jeans, looking super cool. And it was around that time that I think I saw a picture of them in Smash Hits, which was this magazine. It's like a pop magazine that, that you know, came out in Britain. Interestingly, Neil Tennant from the Pet Shop Boys used to be its editor back in the 80s. Oh, really? Fun fact, yeah, yeah. Before he was in the Pet Shop Boys. Well, I think he started the Pet Shop Boys around that time. But Modern Life is Rubbish came out. It was completely different to all the other music that was out there. Obviously, very not grunge, very different to a lot of the indie. Because around that time, a lot of the indie music was what they call sort of shoegazing, lots of sort of mm. jangly guitars and the sort of a bit, you know, not that exciting to me. Modern Life is Rubbish came out. And in Smash Hits was a picture of, I think it was Graham Coxon, the guitarist, and Damon Orban, the singer. They had to do like a weekly every every week. They got in a, a musician to uh, uh, review the week singles kind of thing, and they were just a picture of them. And they were both in I think Fred Perry polo shirts, Doc Martins turn ups. And I thought, wow, that's a really cool look. I think I already had some Doc Martins, and I recognised the polo shirt. It's again, this is pre-internet. There was no yes. way, as we were saying earlier about the music, there was no way of listening to any of this stuff. There was no way of no looking streaming. up things on the internet. No yeah. streaming. You'd saw, you'd see a picture in a magazine. You think they look cool. Yeah. I have no idea what their music sounds like. So you might see something on MTV, or you might go to your record shop. And again, Denmark was quite provincial in those time in those days. There weren't there wasn't that much choice. But if you did find a record, well, let's say Blur or something else, you thought, okay, well, I'm going to buy it. And or maybe you'd heard the single. You'd hope the rest of it would be good. And sometimes it was but it was so much tied into not just the music but but the way they looked I think the whole image this you know the clothes seemed fresh and and clean and crisp and um, I remember seeing this Fred Perry shirt with the laurel you know it's the white one with the laurel wreath on and the the piping on the collar and I thought I think my dad's got one of those and I said (laughs) dad you know that tennis that tennis shirt you've got that's all you used to play tennis that's what you do can I have it he said oh yeah yeah and I borrowed this this um you know, um, the Fred Perry shirt and walked around with, with pride because, again, in Denmark in the mid-90s, you couldn't get Fred Perry. I mean, yeah. maybe in some sports shop somewhere, I don't know, but it certainly wasn't a, a, seen as a cool thing. Um, so I wore that with pride uh, and uh, I still have it. Um, Lovely. And it was, it was, it was a combination of, of the music, which was brilliant and fresh and, and sort of slightly, you know, had real energy to it, and the clothes uh, yeah, sort of moddy styles, you know, skinheady, but they clearly weren't skinheads, but, you know, the boots, the, the, the trousers, the jeans from the turn-ups and the Fred Perry. 
had they had shaved heads, then they would have looked like skinheads. Oh, but of course, oh, they all had this sort of floppy hair, and 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 it was um, yeah, it was a brilliant. A brilliant time. Oh, for you, so then it was a progression. You were into music and pop I was already into before, Indian stuff, and then, and then the style music. and the music together. It's finally it's like gelled with my yeah. ideas of what was cool style and the music. But how about you? You were in, in Hamburg in Germany. I was in Hamburg. I wasn't really into music or pop culture at all. I went to um, a gymnasium, a school where French was my first foreign language. So Ooh. believe it or oh, not... Yeah. My teenage years with my group of girlfriends, we'd be listening to Jacques Brel and uh, Edith Piaf. <laughs> and with, seriously. Smoking yeah, <laughs> yeah, drinking red wine. Wearing berets. Into existentialism. I was yeah. reading Camus and Sartre. Yeah. Um, and in 94, I was just coming out of a, my first serious relationship, which was serious, serious. Also poetry and Camus and book clubs and no going out. Uh, and then I need I needed a bit <laughs> boring you already not even two minutes. <laughs> no, no, this is me pretending to read a, uh, you know Sartre's greatest hits. Right, so, okay. Well, we we, we can do a phone. separate podcast about that. I can test Let's you on that, uh, <laughs> another one. Um, yeah, so I started watching MTV's Most Wanted. Um, and they were just always, they had so much fun. They were in such a good mood all the time. And I remember, so the first song I heard was Girls and Boys. Um, then I started watching the show, always so much fun. And then they played in October in this quite small venue. Now, this is Blur, Blur we're talking about. Yeah, this was Blur. This was the Park Life tour. Um, and I went there. And I mean, I wasn't cool at all. <laughs> you have it all at hand. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, I love that album. And I listened to it for months on repeat. You know, I had uh, the CD player, the little CD thing with my headphones, yeah, yeah. and it was just always on. Um, myself and my sister, who was and still is a lot cooler than I am. Um, she was only 14 at the time. Let me. No, she was only 12. She was only 12. And already um, cooler than her big sister. Oh, my God. Yes. Way cooler. So we went there and I remember in the front row, there was this English girl with her friends and she was just having so much fun. And I was looking at her and thinking, I want to have fun like that. So then I changed my life. I actually got the haircut. I cut the hair the next day and started listening, buying all the albums. I also met a girl at the concert, um, Anna, who I became really good friends with and we became pen pals. And then I later went to university where she went, you know, long story. But that's how it started. You meet people at the concert. It wasn't just the music. It's the community as well. As you said, it was the clothes. It's, you know, the whole, we wear the same clothes because we feel the same uh, Mm. thing. And yeah. And at that concert, little anecdote, I, which was my first Britpop concert and I managed to get backstage somehow. Mm. I, told you before I think um we were just hanging around after the concert because we didn't want to go home because it was so nice and so we're just standing around they're all clearing up and then somebody approached us and said uh, would you like to come and meet the band so we went backstage and I didn't really speak any English um it was but your French was fluent so <laughs> she was fluent uh, she really so your, your French I said your French was fluent my French was fluent. I, it was, yeah. I actually that asked Damon whether he would speak could speak French with me. Um, mm. I was just sitting next to him, and I basically just enjoyed being in his presence. Where there was loads yeah. of other girls, and he was chatting to the other girls. And I, yeah. okay, he was wearing this bracelet, uh, this name bracelet, and I was just sitting next to him. Yeah. 
plane with that bracelet. It's really I, quite embarrassing. I bought I bought one because he had one. You didn't! Silver, yeah, oh, silver ID bracelet, like a chunky chain. It's got like a oh, silver, yes, where you're yes, supposed yes. to put your name. I never engraved my name on it. It was just a cool thing oh. that I saw Damon wear. Yeah, I remember playing with that bracelet. Um, what, um, while he was wearing what? While he was wearing it, yeah. Okay, While he was wearing it, he kept looking over to me and sometimes he'd stroke my leg. He was such, he was so cute. <laughs> you know. All right, okay. And we're coming backstage to meet the <laughs> No, they went after, I don't know, we were back there for about an hour. Uh, and then they were, right, okay, I'll tell you the other story as well. So he was wearing a t-shirt and the Fred Perry shirt he'd been wearing during the concert was lying behind him all mm. up and all sweaty and everything and then they were getting ready to go and they're like okay let's go and they're packing up and I thought is he gonna leave that there if he's gonna leave it I'm fucking mm. out of mm. so I just took it and put it in my bag and two mm. minutes later he turned around and said where the fuck's my shirt and I was so embarrassed every there was about 25 people there uh, mm. all looking around and I looked at him and I said I have it and he gave me a big hug and he said you can keep it well there well hang on Fred Perry shirt mm. a bit like that one you're wearing yeah that's not a Fred Perry shirt though is it it's not a Fred Perry shirt oh Ben Sherman I'm so sorry it's because you were talking about Fred Perry before before sorry mm. I was thinking okay was this two shirts no, you no, stole no, no, no. <laughs> I didn't wrap two shirts of him no yeah. This yes. is an actual sweaty shirt. As it is. By Damon it is. Ben Sherman shirt, the the classic button down, the three buttons, one at the back as well. And I remember, well, fast forward to when we first met, I think you must have told me that you had I did, yes. Yeah. Damon I mean that was I was so proud. And I was yes, you frame it, you should, you know, you know, make a shrine to this shirt. <laughs> and then Obviously, we, we we sort of um, reconnected years later via Instagram. And, um, well, one day in the post, what should arrive? But this very shirt. I was like, I remember saying, I can't, I can't accept that. I mean, that's this amazing thing. And what was, I think you said, what was it that um, you sort of instantly knew that I should have it? Instantly. When we, when we got back in touch, the first thing you asked me uh, was, do you still have a shirt? <laughs> that's the only thing I was interested in. Yeah. And I Not thought, I thought, oh, bless, it's in my, it's in my wardrobe. I never wear it. Um, and it should be worn. It needs to be out there. So I thought I'd give oh, it to you. I mean, it's, it's, like, it's just, I used to have several of these back in the day, this style. And I, I, I got rid of them at some point. Uh, but yeah, it's really soft. And I can still smell. <laughs> Damon, <laughs> I did wash it a couple of times, <laughs> but um, and that was such a such a nice thing to do. So, it's, and again, this is a people piece of pop history, you know. Yes, I mean, it's um, and that is part. So, this is another example of that those sort of clothes that people got back into. Yeah. So, Ben Sherman shirts started in the sixties were worn very much by mods and then yeah. skinheads in the sort of late sixties, early seventies. It went out of fashion, and I think what what actually what. Britpop did and Blur in particular they sort of re rediscovered British culture in many ways so they started wearing these things like Ben Sherman shirts and Doc Martens and Fred Perry and Harrington jackets and using the iconography of of Britain I mean if you look at the cover of of uh, Modern Life is Rubbish I mean this yeah. is a, a dog track you know and here's them looking cool in the back at the, the dog races um you know Modern Life is Rubbish it's this classic British steam train they're on the yeah. They're on the tube. Um, and it was sort of, I mean, I guess people got a bit of pride in, in, in the country back, but that's not what they meant. They weren't at all. I don't think that's why they were doing it, but it was like sort of 
reclaiming some of these British things, like the, the ID bracelet you mentioned. I mean, that's a very British thing that, that you'd see people wearing. I didn't know and that. I, and I think they, along with these other bands, it was around the time that you had the, the YBA, the young British artists, people like uh, Damien Hirst, Tracy Emin, yes. suddenly were bursting onto the scene. And obviously uh, Damien Hirst, very poppy, very pop-arty things. They, I think they, they later became friends because all those guys would hang out in a place called the Grab Show Club, all the sort of arty people. Yes. So, Blur and all these other people. to go there at the time good and meter. the Good Mixer. The Good Mixer, yeah. I, I went to the Good Mixer. Once. Again, again, coming back, there was no internet. So all yeah. this stuff, the only way we could see how they dressed was based on a painting, yeah. you know, or Doc Martin's boots, or a picture in a magazine, or... I mean, studying the back of this. Oh, what's he wearing? Look, look Graham's wearing this cool yeah. sort of tweedy jacket. Um, uh, Dave Roundtree, the drummer's wearing uh, Harrington. Uh, Damon's probably got Harrington on. Alex James, the bass player, is wearing some jacket. So they were Ford jacket, yeah. And I remember when when they were doing the Blur, were doing the it's becoming a Blur episode rather than Britpop, isn't it? But they were so I think they were the ones that really burst onto the scene, especially with Park Life, and started in many ways that. The movement in a sort of popular way i mean park life was a massive album but when they were doing modern life is rubbish that tour in 93 they were deeply unfashionable because they were mm. doing they, i mean damon would wear a suit on stage with a tie so like a tonic suit suit doc martin be bouncing around all over the place unlike maybe grunge bands or shoegazing bands would stand there they're quite still you know um so he was full of energy dressed completely differently and I, I love that. And it was it was almost like a it was almost like a punk way in a way, because they were just doing things yeah, completely differently to, to what had been doing. But harking back to 60s music, the Who, but also mm. like the 70s stuff like the Jam, you know, the, the mod revival, uh, the Kinks, all those bands, Madness, it was sort of mm. referencing and, and taking elements from. But of course, the other big album that came out in 94 was Oasis's debut yes. album, uh, Definitely Maybe, which also just absolutely blew up and became became huge and of course then we had the war between blur and oasis you couldn't like both you know so you're either on the blur camp i did as well i think that was a very thing in in britain made by the music press as well and they played up to it whereas in in europe the rest of europe i mean we just like anything you get older i mean it was like well i like both why shouldn't i and as we again, we're saying no internet, so we couldn't listen to this stuff before. There's no YouTube. You couldn't. You couldn't just. You know, there was no Wikipedia. You could just look up a band, read the details who the band members were, when they were formed, you know, what their shoe size was, and then just go on Spotify or YouTube and listen to it. Watch the video. You had to wait. I hope something would come up on you, um, MTV, and when it did, you're like, yeah, all right. Look, it's it's. You know, and that's where black. the pen friendships came in as well. We were pen pals. We would yeah. share newspaper oh, articles. Yeah. And I had friends as well that I met at concerts. It was a community, as I said. Mm. We would write each other letters and share little newspaper articles and whatever other knowledge we had about them. Yeah. yeah. I do remember, though, talking about the rivalry that in November 94, I went to see um, in the same venue Oasis for the first time. And I do remember standing there thinking let's see what you got like I love mm. that <laughs> mm. and they of course blew me away um, yeah. and were fantastic and that's where the whole Melanie Gallagher thing started yeah 
Yeah, and he, but again, you know, a very different band and a very totally different background. Different. I mean, uh, Blur from, from uh, Essex, I guess, from yeah. a fairly middle class background. Just uh, uh, sounded that people call them Mockneys because they sounded like a mock Cockney, you know, sort of Londoners. Oasis, uh, Manchester, working class, you know, guys, very different background and had that, I guess, hardness about them, edginess. Yeah. Um, that you wouldn't like want to, you know, you wouldn't want to look at Liam the wrong way or no, because, no. you know, you might, might end up, you know, getting punched in the face. Whereas Damon, you know, he wouldn't really, I don't think you have to worry too much about him. Um, and <laughs> it, so those two bands were the ones that really kicked it off, I think, with those two records. Um, and then, of course, you had bands like Pulp. I mean, Pulp, mm. their 94 album, His and Hers, which again, a brilliant cover, which was saying, I mean, look at this guy and Jarvis, you know, just super look at cool. Chiseled cheekbones. And, and I mean, Pulp were one of those bands. Oh my been, gosh. They've been going for years and years and years with no success, really. No one paid much attention to them. And then they just, just right at the right time with that album, it just hit the zeitgeist, I think. And, and they became massive. And obviously, then the year after that came out, the different class, we got all the classics like Common People and Disco 2000. So fabulous. And, yes. um, and you see, you had all these other bands that came out at the same Elastica, which um, Justine oh, Frischman talked about earlier. She was, she was actually um, Damon Albarn's uh, girlfriend at the time. Well, first she was with somebody else. Exactly, who was? Brett Anderson. From Suede, who, mm. like I said earlier, one could argue were one of the first rip poppy bands but i think they sort of slightly got lost in suddenly blur got going and all these other bands and they were sort of i always feel put slightly to the side brilliant band but they didn't quite fit into the sort of really poppy sort of lively brit pop you know colorful kind of thing you yes. know which okay. which a lot of the the sort of the style was with brit pop you know what other of, bands can we remember of course they were the big pop. ones Echo Belly, Supergrass. Yes, oh, I love them. Um, that was the shirt I was wearing seven, when I met you. All those bands that still came along. Sorry? I think we cut out there. That was the shirt I was wearing. I was wearing an Echo Belly shirt sure, when I met you. We just When we met, that. exactly. Uh, well, again, Sleeper. Do you Sleeper, that? yeah. Um, I mean, I remember having a, a crush on uh, Sonia Madden, the singer from Echo Belly. And I'm, we saw, so I saw her in Copenhagen play and I bought this... Well, yeah, my friend and I bought her some flowers, and we were standing right at the front of them on the stage. And she looked down, and she thought like, it was very, you know, That's was so very, cute. Very <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I saw a lot of those bands in, in Copenhagen, and I remember missing out on tickets for the uh, Blur gig when they were touring uh, Modern Life is Rubbish, and oh. it would have been in this tiny venue called oh, Norden, no. on, on Christiania. You may have heard Christiania, the yes. sort of free free city in in. Uh, uh, in uh, central Copenhagen, where the hippies started a thing in the early seventies, and they one of the places you can still buy buy weed and stuff. Uh, but there's lots of really cool venues there. There's Lobben, which is which means the flea. This t- little place, well, I don't know what the capacity is, one hundred and fifty, two hundred people. It's called the flea. Um, it can't be that big. The flea, exactly. And then there's a big place, bigger place called Den Korpel, which means the Grey Hall, which is it's an old army barracks. So you know they've got all these big buildings. But uh, yeah, I just missed out on tickets for for that uh, Blur gig, um, and then the next time I saw them, it was the court had the, the big place. So, um, and I wore my Fred Perry, I remember for that. But I saw Elastica in London. I mean, just standing, you know, the stage was only about that high. Oh. I saw saw them play. Uh, I saw um, who else did I see? I saw Cast. Cast were another. Oh one yeah, they were so much fun. I saw them uh, a few times as well. Uh, 
the Blue Tones, again, another oh, great God, band. Yeah. Got chatting to, the, I think it was the drummer after the gig. Um, and he just, he was touring. He had this tiny little suitcase, you know, one of Mark. the old fashioned suitcases. Oh, the drummer. Okay. Yeah. And I said, oh, what's in your suitcase? And he opened it up. And it was like two Fred Perry polos and a, a couple of pairs of pants and a toothbrush. <laughs> that, that was it. That was you don't need much when um, you're a rock star. <laughs> but it was great. Probably in Germany as well, because they were playing smaller venues because exactly. they were big there you could actually get to meet them and talk exactly to them. Uh, i was just going to say that's the upside that's the that was the good point about living abroad because in england mm. they were playing bigger venues and of course in germany and denmark they'd be playing really small venues so yeah to meet them but, and chat to them and I, and I think it felt special like you said again it, it was not it was brit pop got quite big in britain but in mm-hmm. the rest of europe it was still quite a niche it indie was, thing yeah. it certainly wasn't mainstream so i think when you did see someone like i spotted you in your echo belly t-shirt or other people you saw oh yeah oh they've got you know they've got a 70s adidas tracky thing or pair of adidas gazelles or whatever it was you you sort of knew that oh they're probably into the same sort of thing and you get chatting the same tribe it's like a little little tribe yeah and yes. then it's the mod thing uh, you know so you know I had a Parker or still got it you know with a, with a, the target on, on, yes, the, on, the, on the sleeve um and it was great I mean yeah there was as I said the mod element came in over it and people discovered films like Quadrophenia it's VHS you'd watch it and you know you know you'd be, people would borrow them from each other again there was no you could just stream it on Netflix or um yeah everything and, uh, is so readily available now and we really yeah. have to go look for it I remember so through the music I met uh, a bunch of English people then at the concerts and the the two indie clubs in in Hamburg Britpop clubs we used to go to and I'm still in touch with them now and I remember um Charlie one of them actually sitting me down and saying well Mel you can't like uh, Blur and Oasis without knowing about the Who and the Kinks so I had he educated me and he sat me mm. down and told me about all these bands and showed me everything and showed me Quadrophenia as well and I completely yeah. fell in love with that movie yeah. so if you ask me what my favorite band is I will say the Who um yeah. love Keith Moon oh my god love that man yeah, yeah but again that's that's I- the Who also had that energy, didn't they? And yeah. they had the graphics, you know, the arrows and the, the target. They were probably the first people to wear target, target T-shirts and Union flag jackets and all that. It was a very strong pop party feel, yeah. which you know really appealed to you because boom, it's in your face, Pizza and this real energy in the music, you know. Um, and yeah, Quadrophenia. When I first saw that, it's it's the whole thing. It's the music, but it's the style, you know. You know, when we're talking about the sort of mod crossover, you know, the Scooters and the Parkers and the Fred Perrys, and it's sort of very clean cut graphic style in the sense you just yeah. think of a Fred Perry system you know a single color with a sort of laurel wreath and stripes on, on the collars I mean it's very it's very simple and and it's um and yeah I mean Adidas tracksuit tops you know three stripes down the side some bright color I remember I had a lovely orange one with black stripes um and it also was the vintage thing then wasn't it because a lot of the stuff on board wasn't new you'd scour it wasn't called vintage in those days. You go to a second-hand shop, you know. Exactly. Like yeah. shop. And in those days, yeah, I mean, people, it's just, hey, old 70s crap they gave away. So you'd find these gems, you know, like an old Lacoste polo or, or um, for not very much money. And it was the fun of the hunt, you know. Did you find something? Yeah. Did it fit? Um, and then I remember when I was in Copenhagen, around that, that time, let's say around 96, um, one of these big charity shop chains realized that young people were going in and buying all this cool stuff so they went ah maybe we can make more money out of this so they hired i remember a couple of my friends 
were basically hired by this this chain of charity shops to sort of sit in their warehouse and when all the clothes came in they would pick out stuff that was cool oh, really? so they, i mean i don't know if it was a conveyor belt but i don't imagine but it's probably yeah. sacks and sacks of stuff and they'd pick yeah. through it go yeah adidas yeah fred perry levi's oh. jeans whatever so that would be put in a special pile which they'd have in a special section which was basically more expensive wow because they knew people like us would, would you know would, would snap it up yeah um, no demand uh, that's when the innocence we lost the innocence of Britpop <laughs> because actually it was a very it was a very short-lived phenomenon really I mean I'd say it started properly in '94 with with Park Life and, and for uh, us uh, for me uh, anyway uh, well certainly it's, certainly is a big popular thing yes yeah. you could argue Suede and, and and you know earlier beginning but the really as a sort of a, a movement shall we say where it became mainstream I mean in the it was in the newspapers they talked about the whole war between Oasis and Blur because I think it was in '95. They both brought out a single on the same day. Blur's yeah. Country had, and um, Oasis's, what was it? Roll with it? No. Was it Some Might I can't Say? Remember. It wasn't one of their better ones. It, was it Some Might Say? Their... Could be. It wasn't one of their. Actually, but, have... but, actually in fact, both bands, it, they Look weren't. Look what I have here. This is one of my treasures uh, from the pub. I think this is. Yeah, this is Some Might Say. Look at that. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, that wasn't that. Was that that one? I thought that I was don't nice. know. I'd, ha- I'd, I'd have seven. to Google it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But it didn't do any good. Classic. It was, it was it was built up in the news as this big battle of the bands. It was even on the BBC news, yeah. and I think Blur sold more and went to number one, and, and Oasis went to number two. And it, but it was completely it was it was a way of selling papers. They ramped it up because they knew they'd sell more. The more publicity they got, the better. But um, yeah, it was it was it was that's you know. That's when it just became a bit a bit silly, really. But uh, when that was did you, did you have clubs in Denmark in Copenhagen? You went to. I mean, the venues well, were there club nights. Like I had, were... we had Silo and Kia in Hamburg, and you knew that your people were going to be there because um, mm. we didn't have mobile phones, of course. So we knew yes, that yes, we'd yes, meet yes. up every Thursday and every Saturday at those clubs. Mm. Where did you go? Well, there were a few sort of indie clubs in Copenhagen, um, but they'd be like maybe once a month or something. All right, okay. So they were few and far between. We knew there was a few places. There were probably no more than three, two or three that we could go to where they might, but it wasn't just Britpop. I mean, they play all sorts of stuff that might not necessarily appeal to us. But that was, yeah, that's where you would meet people. But then I think kind of one of them closed. There just wasn't enough of it around. And I... There was a bar we used to go to called Klapsheide, which means the clapperboard, as in one of those you use in films, because it yes, okay. had been a cinema at some point. But they had all these film posters, and mm-hmm. that was a cool place we went to because they had a little dance floor, and occasionally they'd play, you know, some sort of brick poppy things. Um, I remember talking to one of the barmen one one time, and he said, uh, "I said, oh, we've got nowhere to go." And he said, "Well, why don't you ask our boss? Because I think he's looking to fill something on a Thursday evening because you know we've got nothing on." So I, said, okay. so I I set up a meeting with the, the the boss, the owner of this this bar. I remember bringing my bag. I had a BOAC flight bag, which was the old uh, British Overseas Aircraft com- uh, right. Company, which was came before British Airways, like a real sixties thing that my great uncle had. You saw a lot of people carry these, like you know, airline bags around. Yeah. So I had a BOAC one, and I think I filled it with magazine select and an enemy uh, with pictures in and some cds to like basically show him what brick yeah. was because this guy was like really making old, a pitch in his 40s probably yeah and, and i said oh yeah so this is what we want to do we want to play this music and you know yeah you know young people want somewhere to go or into that and he i you know i just went yeah, yeah that's fine right yeah i'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna <laughs> get money to make every thursday i'm gonna pay you this much 
you'll also get a staff number so you can get free food and drink and he was like so we yeah we i designed a poster i decided we should call it pop scene after yes, the, uh, the blur, name. Song. turns out after that that there's loads of clubs around the world called pop scene that did that but i, thought, <laughs> that uh, I think there's I think one in brighton now there probably is. Have you got, I think, I sent you a poster. I at the do, because being pen pals at the time, you sent me a poster. There we go, Good pop fun. scene. So, so what it is, it's a round door, so with the target, uh, and yeah. then across it, it says pop scene in uh, in yellow. I wanted it to be the blur font, so blur the way they write yes. their name. We've got these soft letters, and I think they couldn't do that originally. I can't remember, but it it's says, I think we enough. called it the... The Brit Pop Appreciation Society. Yes. Pop scene. Yeah, right it there. was every Thursday. And then there's a long list underneath of, of all yep. the sort of bands we play. Uh, not the, just yes, Pop. we have Blur Oasis, the Stone Roses, the Jam, the Smith, the Kings. Menswear. Oh, we forgot about menswear. Menswear. Oh, yes. Yeah. Black, yeah. Great, Prodigy, Weezer, First Americans, Cliche, Duffy, The Who, The Please, Cast, Beastie Boys, Wallace and Gromit. Yeah. What's a Gromit? <laughs> well, we put in a few joke things like that, you know, <laughs> to, sort of, to make sure people actually read it. I think I've got my girlfriend at the time's name is in there somewhere right down near the bottom. It says mid, I think. So, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so, uh, but yes, yeah, so that, that every um, every Thursday evening in I think it was January of '96, and in the was it just before that we were featured in a in a big national newspaper because this so cool. guy this guy was writing an article about the resurgence of mods, basically to do with, with um, you know with with Britpop and stuff, and he so he wrote this article about mods in general. Because again, most Danish people wouldn't know, you know, a, a mod from a mud hole. I don't know. That's a terrible thing. <laughs> Is that but, a you know, they, they didn't. Denmark mods was never a thing. I think back in the in the you know the mod revival years, sort of late seventies, early eighties, sort of like ten mods, you know, used to hang yeah. around. But but it was not a thing. So so this guy wrote an article. And there was pictures of the Jam and the Who, and this big picture of me and my three friends, actually uh, Steve and Sam, who sort of helped out with the club or were, were co-runners of it. And we're standing in the stairwell of this place, clubs, and we're looking. I'm wearing a parka and there's like smoking cigarettes and, and uh, in our suits and looking all cool. Um, <laughs> still got, I've still got that somewhere, that article. And that was really cool. And he, they, he mentioned that, yeah, we were going to start this club. And um, yeah, it started in 96 and ran for, I moved to England, but it was still running. I think it ran for about two or three years, but my friend oh. Stephen actually kept it going. And every Thursday, and all the yeah, all the indie kids, all the Britpop kids would, would flock there, you know, because it was the only place you could go and listen to that stuff. Yeah. And again, you made a group of friends um, and um, it was it was great fun. And, you know, it, and it was literally because there was nowhere for us to go. So we thought, well, let's start our own thing. Um, I mean, we were DJs as such. I mean, we just had CDs and we, you know, got better at mixing and stuff. But it was just a good you know, free, free drinks as well. I mean, it was, it was what's not to like. Um, but you mentioned menswear. And menswear were one of these funny bands who sort of came along on the coattails of Britpop. And I think mm-hmm. they were a bit manufactured. I think a record company said, saw these guys. Johnny, I think, was seeing a very cool looking guy in, in suit. Cool. They said, hey, you look cool. Do you want to do you want to be in a band? And uh, and they probably went, yeah, all right. And they, they did a uh, the first thing was called Daydreamer, which that's a really good. But they, sort of that got song. Slightly, they got slightly maligned and like, you know, considered a bit of a joke band at the time. No one really took them seriously. But. 
but I like them. And I really the, like them. I like that um, whole album, Nuisance, is it? I still yeah, listen I've got to it, that sometimes. I've got it somewhere here. I was just listening to it the other day. But the problem oh, with the music it. press was music press will always have their darlings, particularly the yeah, you know, melody maker enemy, and they can make or break a band. They can yeah. write something and a band will not be taken seriously or they can sort of ruin their, their sort of reputation. Like Cooler Shaker was a, a great band. Oh, they, yes. For whatever, for whatever reason, the, the, the papers took against them and then just sort yeah. of rubbished them a bit. The men's were, yeah, I mean, they, they shone brightly for, for a short time. I remember we talked about the Good Mixer pub earlier in Camden. I knew via Select magazine, I think, that the Good Mixer was where all the mods went and all the cool kids. So I was in London, I think it's summer of 95, and I said, all right, we've got to go to the Good Mixer. But again, no Google Maps. You know, how do, you, how do we find places? <laughs> I don't know we in those days. But we found the Good Mixer. It was really heaving. And I recognised, I think it was the bass player from from uh, menswear and i went up to say oh hi are you, are you uh you know menswear and he was like oh yeah yeah had a bit of a chat and, and uh, had a chat with his girlfriend as well and i said oh i don't know did you see the letters page in select magazine uh last month i wrote a letter and they published it and it was basically actually at that paul willer paul weller gig where i met you he oh. was he, paul Weller's massive massive mustache yes i, I remember <laughs> And he had this moustache and I wrote a letter. It didn't suit him. I wrote a letter to Select Magazine <laughs> saying something about his moustache. He looked like Nigel Mansell, the race, the Formula yeah. One driver. Um, <laughs> and I can't remember exactly what I'd love to be able to find it again. Um, but anyway, that's what I wrote. I said, oh, did you see that letter? And I think she said, oh, yes. I thought, was that? Yeah, that was me. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's a good mixer. That was, uh, I did go in there a few years ago, but it's certainly not the same as it was. It's still there, the pub. But one just, and when sort of new, I mean, you read a little thing in a magazine. I remember there's an article in Select actually featuring all the, it was about the new mods, probably mm-hmm. 94 or something. And actually it was the guys from menswear were standing outside, probably the good mixer looking all cool with a scooter and suits. And, and you'd look at those pictures again and again and again. Oh, what are they wearing? And I remember in that article, one of the guys said, oh, yeah, you've got to have your desert boots. It's got to be two whole desert boots. It can't be three whole desert boots. <laughs> That's there's cool. rules. There's rules. but. And that's what we did. And like I said, the, the blur pictures on, on you know, on, on those records. I mean, just looked at it over and over again. You know, I mean, it is a yeah. super cool. And actually, I'd like to get a print of that and have it on my wall somewhere. Yeah, that's um, nice. It does yeah. credit the artist. I can't remember who it was. But um, so, yeah, I mean, Britpop, I still I still love the music. I mean, it's it's it's, you know, upbeat. It's um well, did it ever did it fade for you? As it, of course, then we met. You met your wife. I met my husband. There was yeah. children. Well, and... you grow up, don't you? You're supposed to be grown up as you get into your adulting twenties. I mean, don't start. Uh, um, I, I did. Was I it think... always as intense, or did it fade? No, no, it faded. It faded because well, also I think the scene faded from about '97 onwards. I think it, yeah. it changed. I mean, Blur came out with their whatever album was. It's just called Blur very different style the whole brit pop thing was much darker and sort of more lo-fi uh pulp came out with um this is hardcore which again was, was sort of different it was like it was yeah the innocence the early years of of, of um of brit pop was quite lively and it was like yeah. they, it's sort of all yeah just got a bit darker i'd moved to britain anyway so i lost touch so with I. That, that things my, my club thing um and i think yeah i grew up uh you know did i mean didn't completely lose interest in the music but but i think via actually via instagram things like that getting back in touch with people 
who are into the same sort of thing. You, you sort of go, oh, actually, no, that's, there are other people out there. I live in a small village in Hampshire. There's the Barry and Bob in their 70s up in the pub aren't really that interested in Britpop. <laughs> Although Bob, 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 both of them saw some great bands back in the 60s. I mean, they saw the Stones and the Who and, and um, you know, quite small, like village hall kind of places mm-hmm. back in the day. Um, but yeah, so so that's what's been great about Instagram, actually, and reconnecting with you because um, you know probably hadn't seen each other for twenty five years or so. Yeah, but you realise you're more or less the same person you were then. I'm the same, same. I was then, but we probably in the middle had a period where we weren't into the clothes and, and the music the way we are are now. Well, but the kids are a bit bigger age, now. The family doesn't need the kids don't need that much. They still still do, but you know what I mean. There's more yeah. time to um, get back into the music and indulge yeah go to concerts again maybe and yeah. really listen to a record sit down and listen to a record yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I and mean, the kids are all right now so the kids are all right. <laughs> but um yeah i mean i can see behind you you've got all these like an oasis poster and yes that oasis board. poster is actually from 95 it's a tour poster from 95 and it gives uh dates the 10th of the 11th was in hamburg in große freiheit i actually met and hung out with um alan the drummer and bonehead um at the time and yeah yeah and that was actually the coolest my coolest moment during all those years so i hung out with them in große freiheit for hours and hours great laugh um and then a few months later went to see them in munich i think in march it was and i was of course front row and Bonehead walked on stage and saw me and went, hiya, Mel. And all the girls <laughs> around me were. <laughs> <laughs> like, and then yeah, he well, had um, yeah, one of the roadies come over and give me a backstage, backstage pass. So that was uh, you probably like, my coolest moment. <laughs> my mate, yeah, my mate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, and those memories stay with you, you know, with, with you forever. It's, um, but do you think Has Britpop Had a Lasting Legacy? on yes, music definitely. or was it just a I mean, bubble the impact, yeah. yes totally mm-hmm. uh, not just musically yeah. Yeah. as we said it's a way it was a way of life and the impact yeah. it's had on my life on your life we found people through it it's not just about the music um I mean I don't yeah. know much about music I just know what I like and what exactly. gets yeah. my heart going and last night I saw something uh, Blur played some smaller venue I don't know where it was and it was just a little snippet and they were playing There's No Other Way and my heart wow. I, <laughs> I want to go yeah. back just for those yeah. moments that I remember yeah. being actually suede concerts were always the ones where I, I, I just never wanted them to end um I would just stand there I wouldn't even sing a dance I would just be looking yeah. at Richard and that guitar and it's just oh everything's so emotional like I could feel it in every cell of my body it's mm-hmm. just such an experience and yeah I, I yeah. love that and like and that, as I'm talking to you now the hairs yeah, are going up it's just that's, um, that's Richard Osman isn't it the guitarist from uh, from Suede uh, Richard, is it Osmond? No, it's Matt Osmond and Richard. Oh, Matt, sorry, Matt Oaks. Osmond. Richard yeah. Oaks. Matt, Matt yes. Osmond is bass, I think. Is he? He's bass. And yeah. so, but sidebar, his his brother, um, what's he called? Anyway, and Osmond is he started a quiz show on English television called Pointless, which is incredibly popular. And he's now gone on to be an author 
I think have made gazillions of pounds, but he's like this nerdy guy with glasses. Who, I know, uh, I've seen him. But then yeah. his brother is this 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 rock star. Well, he's uh, actually called Richard Osmond, I think. He's called Richard yeah. Osmond. That's very confused. He's the now, Richard Oakes is the he joined them as a young, but he was only 16 or 17 after uh Bernard Butler left. Um, mm. and that's when I saw them last. And then two years was it two years ago? One year ago, two year, years ago, I saw them in Berlin. Um and this guy walks on stage with a guitar. And I thought it was a roadie because I hadn't seen Richard since yeah. the 90s. Because, of course, now he's an adult. He's a grown man. He's not the yeah. skinny little boy with the long hair. The long um, hair but, yeah. God, that man can play the guitar. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's, it's um, and I, th- I think the thing is these days, because we sort of, I guess, hung on to this, uh, you know, the clothes, the style. I know you've now got, you know, sort of, you've got a couple of scooters. You've got an old classic. I do, classic, yes. Uh, a, a more modern uh, Vespa. I actually own I an Umbretta. Are you playing? I think you're planning to come to the um, to England with them. Aren't I am. Right? I will be taking my Lambretta, who's sixty this year. She's a wow. an old girl. She's beautiful. I nearly cried when I saw her. Um, I'll be taking her to the Mod Weekender. Fantastic. And bring all my little mod dresses and. and again, you wouldn't have been doing that had you not originally discovered Britpop exactly. back in the day, which then exactly. was a gateway onto back into the time into the other bands like 60s stuff and yeah. you know, more recent, the jam, the madness, all of that stuff. Probably a lot of that, yeah, I discovered by Britpop. No, it's it's um it has left the lasting legacy. And and I I, I what I feel I feel slightly sorry for the younger generation because subcultures don't exist in the way they used to. I think yeah. because of the internet. Because of you had to join a tribe, you know, you didn't have to, but you'd see a certain style and you say, hey, that's cool. I'm going to sort of, that's what I like. But I think these days, because there's instant access to anything, any music you want to hear, any time, do a playlist on Spotify, look it up on YouTube. Mm. Uh, that, so that people take elements from all sorts of stuff and there's nothing wrong with that. But I think there's, it's, it's nice at that age, especially when you to have a sort of a group, a gang, a tribe that you can belong to and you can just see someone else go hey oh he's wearing that he must be one of us or hey you're wearing an echo belly t-shirt which is hence why we're talking today because we we met all those years ago and then went to the Paul Weller gig and I think I told you I just googled or looked on YouTube a while ago to see Paul Weller Hoskiller 95 to see those and there's some bloke and obviously with a VHS camera taken a video of the concert and I kid you not I'm sure I'm standing in front of him right at the beginning I think it was you back in my back in my head and you can just I see know. the side of my sunglasses because I was wearing them. <laughs> Why I was wearing them inside in this tent? I mean, because you crack. were cool, my I probably thought I was cool, but I mean, <laughs> looking back, I'm like, yeah, I thought but, it was cool. There's my Tesco's bag, <laughs> <laughs> my sunglasses. But I'm pretty sure there's like a yeah, like ten seconds. You see the back of my head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's my claim to fame. But, but yeah, no, it's it's um, it was a very special time. Actually, very short lived, but certainly has um, has left a legacy. But I think as we get towards the end of talking about the, the, the Britpop era, probably also a good time for us to stop so we don't waffle on for another hour. And we, we could. could we could waffle on for hours. Sort of I never get like tired. The anecdote of the time I saw men wearing Copenhagen and someone accidentally threw a beer at uh, Johnny the singer because someone knocked their elbow and he just he just slipped in the, in the, in the puddle of beer. Oh, no. And, and just lay down sideways on the stage and just because he thought someone had done it on purpose of course and then the whole concert was there was a bit of sort of not happiness there but it, oh, I remember seeing it, it was a complete accident someone was holding this beer and then someone jogged their elbow and then yeah and it flew saying through the air but there you go I mean rock and roll it's it's, it's dangerous and stuff so and so is Britpop 
But on that note, uh, it's been great talking to you, Melanie it's Gallagher. It's lovely talking to you, Michael. Uh, Thank you so and, much for uh, having me on. It was brilliant. So anyway, that is the end of the very first episode of Club Eclectica. Woo-hoo. Please join me next time when I'll be talking about teacups. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, like and subscribe. Uh, follow me on Instagram if you want. I'm Tintin Fellow on there. And uh, you are Melanie Treyers on there. I am Melanie.Treyers. Melanie.Treyers. Um, so yeah, if not, see you next time on Club Eclectica or see you on Instagram or in the pub. Okay. Fabulous. Bye now. Bye. Okay. How do we stop the recording? <laughs> I recording. don't know. Stop. Stop recording. Okay. Stop.